Amen. Thank you, Jen. How are we doing, church? Amen. You ready for the word? Amen. It's good to be here. Um, my name is Luke. I'm the children's pastor here at Christian Life Church, and it is a treat to be in here. I, I do affectionately call this place Big Kids Church. I hope that's all right, because you guys are a bunch of big kids, and uh, you know, I, I just love our kids' ministry. Things are good. Uh, Hannah and I are doing well. We're still happily married, and life is good, and, and uh, Hannah just got a new job at a chiropractic office in Mount Prospect, and we are grateful. Uh, I'm, I'm going to graduate in May, and my master's in mental health counseling, and that's exciting, and God's good. I'm just grateful, grateful to be here. Um, I wouldn't be able to be here if there wasn't someone in there with the kids, so I'm grateful for our leaders. We have a lot of leaders in here, too. You know who you are. If you ever would like to be a leader, you can talk to me about that, and uh, we always need help with the kids because we're growing. We got a lot of awesome families here. I shout out to all the parents in here, too. I mean, wow, you guys are the real deal. I love it. Um, there's some folks in here that also give monthly to our kids, and thank you so much that anybody who would give a donation, because our, our curriculum is totally paid for and free. Uh, well, it's not free. It's paid for because of a generous church. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I love our curriculum. Our curriculum is called Orange because I, it, it takes the yellow, the light of the church, the red, the heart of the home, and makes orange. And so everything we do here, we try to send it home so that it can be done at home in the day-to-day -day with our kids and families. And so God is good. I love our kids' ministry. Um, and thank you for being a church that invests in this generation. I truly believe revival's coming, and we got to catch it with the Gen Zers and the Gen Alphas. These little ones coming up, even little Toby is a Gen Alpha. And uh, these, these little, little kids are growing up in a, in a world, a post-pandemic world. A lot of things have changed, and uh, there's... Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit today about mental health crises and things like that. And I think, I think the Lord wants to do revival, and it's going to be through the kids and uh, the teenagers that are here. Where are all the teenagers at? Where's all the youth kids? We've got a few right there. Awesome. Good to see them. Harrison over there. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being here. It's so important. You guys are world changers. And... Uh, another thing I'm passionate about besides kids is evangelism, and we, we go out and we witness to people. We, we get, pass out Jesus cards. We've been to Woodfield Mall. We go door-to-door -door knocking on homes. For, we were doing that for the Jesus Nights this past summer. We had a couple of revival nights in the parking lot, and if you'd ever like to, yeah, and if you'd like to ever join us, uh, please do. I just love the gospel and sharing it with people. I think it's the best news to share. And it can be really intimidating, especially for me when I go out. I get so nervous. But when I go out with people I know or people that come with, it just makes it easier to be with brothers and sisters. Amen? So we do that. And so I'm, a, I'm big on evangelism. I'm also, I love talking about mental health. And I think it's a conversation that a, the church needs to have more of. And so today I'm actually going to fuse my two loves of the church and mental health into a sermon today. And so I hope you can go there with me today. I hope we can talk about what does the Bible say about mental health because I think it's so important. And so I want to talk about mental health in the church. And I just want to share a story and everything I share. Uh, well, first of all, 
I am currently doing an internship at the Youth Services of Glenview and Northbrook, an amazing agency that works with kids. Um, I work with little ones all the way up to high schoolers, and it's been amazing. I have some individual clients, some groups, and I'll tell you a story that I think relates to us uh, for the church, too, because I feel like... Um, I don't know about you, but growing up in the church, I definitely, I definitely, and I'm going to share some of my stories, I definitely had some challenges with mental health. And, um, you know, as a, and as a kid growing up in church, I just want it to be a conversation. By no means am I an expert. I just want to be able to be there for people if they want to talk and, and be able to have a conversation because I do care. Um, and so this story I'm going to share, everything's confidential, but... Uh, I have a client, and they told me that one time they were uh, in the room, and they didn't know that uh, their parents were talking or could hear, uh, she could hear them talking, and they didn't know that uh, she was listening at the time, but um, the dad said a comment to mom that was uh, pretty powerful, made an impact in her life, and the dad said to mom, well, I hope that tomorrow or someday she'll just wake up and snap out of it. And this client was dealing with depression, anxiety, would have panic attacks. And I just thought to myself, man, I, I just think that's so, so hard to hear. Like, man, just snap out of it. And as, as a church leader, as a pastor, I don't want to ever have a conversation in church where it's just like snap out of it and it, it's not valid. It's, people don't feel loved and heard and cared for because I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I believe in the power of prayer. But I don't think we should pray away these things. We think we should have conversations. Is it okay, church, if we have a conversation today? Again, I believe in the power of prayer. I just believe that this is such an important conversation. I just want to get into it with you today. And so, just to give you my framework, when I work with adolescents and kids and even adults, uh, I would use a cognitive behavioral therapy approach is one of the ones I would use. And so what it, what it says in cognitive behavioral research is that what our thought life is, is going to impact our emotional life and our actions. And so what we think about matters. And Paul is so keen on this in the Bible. He has a whole theology of neuroscience in the Bible. We're going to get into this today. And it's on the screen already. We have uh, thoughts, feelings, and actions. And actions even go back to thoughts. And so you can think of it as almost like a triangle. Uh, our thoughts impact our feelings and actions. Feelings impact our thoughts and actions. And actions impact our feelings and our thoughts. And so let me give you an example. Let's say you're driving and someone cuts off in traffic. You get angry. We call that road rage, right? It's like an accepted term. Like we get angry and it, like, it can ruin our whole day. Like one thing like that can get in our mind of like, why do they cut off? Get angry, you get hurt, and it, it, it ruins your day. It, it changes the way you feel by what someone did. I don't know about you, but if you ever get hungry, they have a term for it. It's called hangry, and sometimes you can get hungry and angry at the same time. I, I've definitely been there before. And so our actions, even not eating, even not taking care of ourselves and getting enough sleep impacts the way we feel. I know some folks in here and uh, we're praying for miracles, but a lot of people are in pain. And pain has a way to affect our, our feelings and how we respond to things and, and how we feel in our thoughts. And you just think about our thoughts that we think about. What are you thinking about right now? Maybe you're thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. Uh, thinking about the Super Bowl, thinking about um, mental health. Maybe you're thinking about this passage. Maybe you're, I don't, I don't know where your mind is, 
But I just think about what I think about sometimes, and I just, sometimes I have negative thoughts that come into my mind, and it's hard to kick it. It's hard to get rid of them. But I'm going to talk to you today about how to replace those negative thoughts, those lies, those things that we should replace in our mind with the truth from God's Word. And so our passage today, our main passage is Romans chapter 12, if you want to turn with me. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be all over the New Testament today because Paul writes a lot about the renewing of the mind. And I'm so grateful, church. Thank you for going there with me today. Mental health in the church. Romans 12, Paul gives this little, like two verses we're going to look at. And he's going to talk about spiritual gifts later in the passage. But you get, if you read it too quickly, you might miss it. Look at this. Just two verses. He says, therefore, in verse 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you in this in this room today uh, would say that you want to be transformed like Paul's talking about. Anybody want to be transformed? How does it happen? What does the passage say? By the renewing of your mind. Isn't that amazing? Paul, Paul is talking about things that science is now just getting to in the last decades. Uh, there's a term called neuroscience, and there's going to be a word on the screen called neuroplasticity. Um, Actually, before I get here, I want to I talk about the first part of the passage where Paul says, do not conform to the likeness of the world. I could preach a whole sermon on that because I think the world wants to squeeze you into its mold. And if I were to preach a sermon on this, I'm, I won't, but just bear with me for one minute. I just get so excited because, or I get passionate about it because I've seen complacency and apathy in my own life. And I, and I do what the world does, and, I, and I, you know, I, we watch the same shows and movies and advertisements, we're scrolling on social media, and we see things that are advertised to us that have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with God. It's living for today, being comfortable in the moment, and I, I, maybe you've seen it, like, and this kind of goes into some psychology that would be without God, that we've we got to live for today, like a self-help section mentality. First of all, if God had a section, he would change that from self-help to others' help. God doesn't talk about help, helping ourselves. Help others, and then it will help you, right? And reach out to others. Love God, loves, love people. But the point of this is the world has learned how to be happy without God. The world has learned how to be happy without God. And I, I don't want to ever find myself in a place where I'm just doing life without God. So don't be conformed to the likeness of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It's so easy to do. That takes some intentionality too, doesn't it? It takes some more intentionality to think about what we think about. And so this word neuroplasticity comes to mind, and it has two parts to it, narrow brain, plasticity, moldable, changeable. You know, they used to think that when kids would grow up, your, your brain was moldable and shapeable, and then once you became adult, it was static. It wouldn't change. It was hard like concrete. 
But recent MRI data is showing us that the brain is moldable. It is shapeable. We can create neural pathways in our mind, new neural pathways. And I just think of monikers that have been told of like, oh, he's just stuck in his ways, or you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But it makes me think about uh, a scientist named Pavlov and his dog. And if you heard of this in school, you know that Pavlov had an experiment where he had his dog, um, you know, ring a bell, food would be there, the dog would salivate, eventually he would do it with, with the bell and no food and the dog would still salivate. And so this means that you can teach an old dog new tricks. And so the truth is we can change. And you see that behavioralism came, like, in the last hundred years, it's progressed to such a degree. And, you know, it, it, in the thrust of it, it's like, yeah, we can do better. We can, we can change. We can, you know, and I just think about, for me, growing up, a lot of people told me, I remember my coach told me, practice makes perfect. You know, practice makes permanent. Whatever you practice, you'll get better at it. And so I, every day I would be shooting hoops. And I got to ask some people that know me pretty well, can I play basketball anymore? Does anybody know? No, you hear that? No, because I've gotten too many basketball injuries. I've had two knee surgeries on either knee, and it's just Hannah said, no more. Thank you, Hannah, for taking care of me that last knee surgery in 2020. That was, that was bonkers. I was just playing a pickup game and got hurt. Anyway, um, you know, see, all my feelings are coming out. You know, I am sad. I wish I could play basketball. Um, and, and so nowadays, I, I will practice the drums. I like playing the drums, and... Uh, Hopefully one day I'll be on team, but Doug's doing a good job, so we'll let him. Anyway, uh, no, I just play drums. I, you know, I, I'm into, right now I'm into Rubik's Cubes. Hannah can tell you about it. Oh, my gosh, trying to solve different ones. So I, I, I do different things, and I practice, and I get better at it. And I, I just want to, well, maybe you can think about, too, what do you practice? Maybe an instrument, uh, you know, sport or whatnot, or things you've worked on in the past to get better at. But I, I just think about for myself, too, like how often do we practice what we think about. You know, we have spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that we, we practice our spiritual life. We practice our physical, you know, hobbies and things like that. But how often do we practice what we think about? I'm going to talk about my story a little bit, but I, I, nobody ever told me to think about what I thought about as a kid. And so all these thoughts came in, and, and you know, I was you know, I wouldn't really challenge any thoughts. I just believed them all to be true. Well, if I'm feeling it, it must be true. I, you know, I'm angry. I got to be angry, you know. And, and so I'm going to talk about that just a little bit today of my story. And so there's three things I want to highlight today. The, the first question is, how can we replace our thoughts? Number two, how do our thoughts impact our feelings and behaviors? And how does Elijah's story in the Old Testament relate to our story? So let's look at the story of Elijah in the Bible, and I'm really going to give a quick overview. 1 Kings 17 to 19, just really quick. And if you want to turn there, you can look at it, because I'll point out a couple things. But in, in chapter 17, God works some miracles. There's no rain that falls until Elijah says so. Ravens bring Elijah some food when he was hungry. Oil and flour multiply for a starving widow and her son. Miracle after miracle. Later, Elijah raises the widow's son from death. Next, Elijah alone challenges, in the next chapter, 450 priests of Baal. He watches them prepare and offer their sacrifices to Baal with no results. 
Then Elijah prepares and offers his sacrifice to God. He uses 12 stones, builds an altar, puts the wood on it, even covers it with a bunch of water overflowing. And he cuts up the bull and he sacrifices it to God. And God accepts Elijah's sacrifice. He sends fire and consumes the altar and all the water. The people repent. They capture the prophets of Baal and Elijah kills all the evil prophets. And the result is a big revival. And so far we're saying, amen, this is great. We see miracle after miracle. Elijah was busy. A lot going on. And there's three things that happen behind the scenes that we're going to look at. And so each of these will be a part of Elijah's story. I'm going to give you a, a principle of renewing the mind, and I'm going to talk about my life as well, if that's all right. So first, Elijah believed a lie. He said in, I think it's chapter 18, verse 22, he makes an intriguing statement. You've got to catch it. He says, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one to do this. It's all on me. No one gets what I'm going through. Have you been there? I know I have. I just think about Elijah, this statement he says, I alone am left. Yet the story mentions a hundred other prophets and 7,000 other God worshipers. Though Elijah was a man of God, he believed the lie that he was alone. So I'm sure he felt lonely and frightened to think he was the only God follower in the entire nation. So Elijah needed to know and dwell on the truth. Dr. Chris Thurman, in The Lies We Tell Ourselves, states most of our emotional struggles, relationship difficulties, and spiritual setbacks are caused by the lies we tell ourselves. Powerful statement. If you want, you can take your phone, take a picture of it. I'm telling you, get this in your heart. I mean, the lies we tell ourselves impact everything. You know, I heard it said that 99% the thoughts we have come from the subconscious. About 90% of our thoughts, a little bit more, are negative. Nine, about 99%, most of them, almost all of them, will never happen. What are you thinking about? It's things that we don't examine. It's things that are negative and things that probably won't happen. Paul gives us some verses here. Every 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 step to renewing the mind uh, will have a verse. And so the first step is to check your thoughts at the door of your mind. Check your thoughts at the door of your mind. Before you let them in, check what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about? Check your thoughts at the door of your mind. We need to separate the truth from the lies and focus our thinking on truth. And so Paul gives us a verse that Help us think about what we think about. I'm going to start in verse 4, but the crux of it is verse 8. But just listen to even how Paul talks about how we feel, what we think about, and, and what we do. He says in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Amen? There's a lot of good stuff there. The command to not be anxious is a tough command. I think about Jesus where he says, don't be afraid. He said to Joshua when he was going to take over the nation of Israel after Moses. You know how many times in Joshua 1 he said, don't be afraid, be of good courage for I'm with you. And so here's, here's what I want you to catch. Here's one of the things that I thought for the longest time. I heard a statistic once that there's like 365 mentions of don't be afraid in the Bible, one for each day. And that's true. We, we, we don't have to be afraid. But here's, here's what I've seen myself do. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm bad if I'm afraid. Like, don't be afraid. Oh, I'm being bad. I'm a bad Christian. I don't have enough faith. Well, I don't think that's true. Because the, other, the second part of it is don't be anxious because God's with you. It's not that you have to conjure up all this confidence in yourself and don't be afraid. But remember that God's with you. So the lie is that I'm bad. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not good. This is not good. But the truth is, is that Jesus says, do not be afraid for I'm with you till the very end of the age. Jesus, Paul says in this passage, don't be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And so there's a both and. Yes, I'm afraid, but I have my hope in Jesus. Amen? I want you to catch this. And by giving, and Paul's saying as we give God our cares, I think about um, Jesus said, or it says about Jesus, cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. That's a powerful statement. Cast all your anxiety. Cast all your worries. Cast all your depression. Cast all your loneliness and fears. Everything on Jesus. Everything on Jesus because he cares about you. Then Paul says, then the peace will come that doesn't even make sense. You can't comprehend the peace. I should be afraid right now, but I got peace. I should be anxious, but I got peace. I should be depressed, but I have peace. If anybody else in the world was in my situation, they would be struggling, but I got this peace. I don't really know where it comes from, but I got peace that surpasses my understanding. It surpasses my thinking. Amen? I want us to catch this. And so I, I want to talk about my story. If I can, I, I'll bring myself into this. So I believed a lie growing up that no one liked me. I had, I, had a, I had a deep core belief that I was unlikable or I needed to prove myself. And it, it followed me. I saw myself as a kid in grade school and in middle school, even high school, where I would try to make people laugh. I was kind of like the class clown and I was goofy. And something, something in my mind would, would register that if you laughed at me, laughed, well, with me and at me, um, you know, it, it registered that you liked me. And this followed me into high school, and I even joined an improv group, and at that point, you have to do stand-up, and you know, you're doing it, and I was so insecure. I was just like feeding for people's attention. I was a people pleaser, 100%. And uh, this part of the story um, comes to a, a, a watershed moment with Jesus um, to replace the truth from the lie. The lie is that no one likes me. So at Ascension Convention, which is coming up, it's around Easter, it's for our young people. If you're in middle school or high school, please go invite your friends. God totally changed my life at Ascension Convention. Um, but this, this was almost when I think I was a senior in high school, my last year, and I was at the altar worshiping, 
And I just remember the Lord spoke to my heart, and it was so profound that I'll never forget it, um, because it, I have to go back to it sometimes. He said, Luke, why do you worry about if people like you? Why do you care if people like you when I love you? Hit me so hard. I heard my whole life that Jesus loves me, but I wasn't ever able to separate that lie that, you know, I don't have to try so hard to get people to like me. I can be relaxed. I can, I can, I can, I can have bad days. I don't have to always be on because God, Jesus loves me just the way I am. He loves you too just the way you are. And, and it's about, for me, it was about separating that lie that I'm not liked and just remember that Jesus loves me. Man, I tell my kids that all the time in kids' church because I want that to stick. And I think that's part of the reason. And it, all these stories will have like a foreshadowing to what I'm doing now because the Lord's redeeming so much. But that's why I have such a high empathy for kids. It's like, man, I get it. I care. And so in this passage, every, every time that we come to a passage, there's going to be a practice. I like the word practice because we're all working at this. Paul gives us seven filters for us to catch those negative thoughts. So the practices, if you want to highlight it in your Bible, if you want to, you want to write this down, Philippians 4.8, go back to this if you ever want to check your thoughts at the door of your mind. Check to see if your thoughts, if they are true. If they're right, is this thought pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? For me, the, the notion that I wasn't liked, or maybe it wasn't loved, and was, was definitely not true, but the Lord showed me the truth in that. Even Elijah said, I'm the only one left. But the Lord showed him that he really wasn't alone, that he was with him too. And so if you ever want to practice this, catching those thoughts at the door of your mind, go back to Philippians 4, verse 8. Is everybody with me? We're doing good? All right. Second part of the story. We're, we're going to pick it up with Elijah. After all the revival, after all the miracles happen, all the, all the wonderful things, Elijah tells King Ahab to hurry home and have a nice supper because it's going to rain. But Elijah then ar- runs ahead of Ahab 16 miles and arrives at Jezreel before the king in the chariot. Ahab tells his wife, wicked Queen Jezebel, Elijah has killed all the priests of Baal. Jezebel is so angry, she declares that she's going to kill Elijah. So he runs scared, and in fact, he runs 20 miles, and then he walks another 20 miles until he reaches the wilderness. Then Elijah begs God to kill him. In chapter 18, 19, we see this. And you might say, what's, what's with that? Is this man crazy? Is he suicidal? Is he depressed? Did he forget about the miracles God had just performed. So now we're moving from the thoughts to the feelings. And he thought that he was all alone, and I'm sure he felt isolated. He felt lonely. He was probably depressed, we can infer from this. And although other God followers were in the story, for the most part, Elijah was isolated, and so he felt alone. Occasionally, his servant was with him, but he didn't have fellowship with other God followers Though Elijah had experienced many victories, he wasn't only isolated, he was probably lonely. I understand where he's coming from, maybe you can too. 
So Elijah needed companionship. I think we all do. Larry Crabb, in his book, Connecting, expresses a similar belief. He says, the problem here is disconnected souls. Powerful line. What we need is connection and community. So, hold on to that. I love that. I think we do need connection and community. Disconnected souls. The second step, after you check your thoughts at the door of your mind, don't let those negative thoughts into your mind. Don't let those unchristlike thoughts, don't let the lies permeate in your mind. So hard to do. But if we start by checking our thoughts through that checklist, maybe we'll see that maybe our thoughts aren't true, aren't right, aren't pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. And so, here's another verse that Paul says to further his theology of this. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we take our thoughts captive. We grab them and say, we're going to bring it to truth. And so we're moving from our thoughts to our emotions because I I feel like what we think about matters. It, it, It impacts how we feel. And so I'll bring it back to myself again and talk about my journey as a kid. And some of you don't really know this, but when I was growing up, I was like a really angry, hurt kid. And I would go around, I was, I was really, you know, like uh, wild, crazy and all this and try to get attention. But at home, I was super rebellious. I was, I was like a really stubborn kid and um, was, gave my parents a hard time and they can attest to it because I'm totally different now. But it was really hard growing up. And gave my parents a lot of grief. And so it came to a head where I was in school and I, I wasn't paying attention. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of about seven. And I was put on medication. And it actually had an adverse effect on me. I started getting really depressed for like a seven, eight-year-old. It got, it got so bad, like around nine or ten, I was taken off the medication because I was talking. My mom remembers me talking about things that no nine-year-old should ever talk about. And so I got really depressed, and, and so my parents actually brought me to Christian therapy back then, and I was so rebellious there too. I did not give that counselor the light of day, and I forgive him now because I'm going to be a counselor, and, and maybe that's why I have such a high empathy too. I can totally see the Lord redeeming these things. Um, but I just remember just being so angry. I just let that, I let that motivate me, and I, I, back then I thought, man, I just feel angry, I'm hurt, or I, I probably wouldn't have said I was hurt. But I just remember just being angry all the time and just being a frustrated kid. And my parents really didn't know what to do. And so I'm going to give you hope that the Lord will, if, if, if you're dealing with mental health challenges or you know someone that does or a family member, I just want to encourage you that the Lord is working and it is hard. I, I understand completely. And the Scriptures and God does not leave us without answers. And we got to take every thought captive. If someone would have told me back then 
that I didn't have to think this way. That, that yes, Luke, you feel, you feel really angry. Why is it? Well, I feel hurt. Well, what's going on there? And worked it through back then versus me coming back and doing therapy now. I mean, it would have made a real difference. I believe in Christian counseling. I believe that we can, we can go and, and get help that we need. I really want to make that clear today. I was going to talk about that later too. Uh, but I also want to encourage you that when you are alone and you don't have that resource, you can, please, get help. Call the church. Call your doctor. Call a counselor. And, but we have the Holy Spirit. The Jesus, Jesus told us, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to give you a counselor, the Holy Spirit. And so he can help us renew the mind. We're not without help. The Lord is with us in this. And on the days that it's hardest, the days that maybe it's, it's hard to get out of bed, maybe you have anxiety about a class or a work situation, maybe it's just like, I, I am just in a lull. I just got this, I can't shake this depression. This, like, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm telling you, God is with you. And if you have no other reason, like I'm like, I don't know why I would get up, I think the Lord's going to get you up and help you because he's there with you every step of the journey. Amen? And so the second practice I have for this section is to journal, to have a gratitude journal, to remember the things of God. I think Elijah did forget. I think it's so easy to forget about what the Lord has done for us. And I just think about the Israelites. You know what they said to Moses? It would have been better if we were slaves in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. And their grumbling didn't stop in the wilderness. It went all the way to the promised land, where they're in the land flowing with milk and honey, and they reference Egypt. They had a slave mindset. They would rather have been slaves in Egypt than go to where God's called them to just because things got hard. And I totally get it. I've said that too. But I think the Lord wants to move us from that slave mindset to a son-daughter mindset. From being victims to victors from being paupers to princesses and princes of Almighty God. And so there's, there's got to be a shift. And so what helps me, and Hannah can attest to this, I keep a journal. And I, it's a day one journal. It's a subscription. And every year they send me a little book about the year. And so I post pictures and remember things. And we just went over it because 2022 came. And we looked at everything that happened and what God brought us through. And last year was an amazing year. I just, I like... I just remember us going to Iowa and seeing revival at the school. I just remember going and being a part of a, there was a young man who passed in the area. I was able to do his funeral and give an altar call. I remember the Jesus night. Some of you were there. I, I remember there was other things that happened, the new job for Hannah and, and me passing my exam that I didn't know I would have passed and things like that. And so I just remember the goodness of God, and it encouraged me so much. And so if you haven't started yet, maybe even take your phone right now because I know you're on it, no, I'm just and, and go to a new note on your phone and, um, and start writing down what the Lord's done. Take a notepad at home, start writing it down, reference it, and see if that encourages you. I know it encourages me. All right, how are we doing, church? All right, the last section here uh, of Elijah we'll look at. So Elijah is exhausted. He just ran a long time. He's trying to get away. Let's look again at all the physical things he did. Now we're talking about actions. He completed a major building project by making the altar. He ran and he walked several miles. He was tired and he was sleepy and he was hungry. After Elijah asked God to kill him, he slept. 
Twice an angel woke him up and gave him food to eat. Then after he was rested and full, he had the strength to go on. Elijah simply needed to rest and sleep and get good food. His, in his situation, it was not a spiritual issue. It was physical. Franskiaka concurs in his Bible study on the passage. He says, often what we consider a hopeless emotional or spiritual battle is actually due to our own neglect of basic physical needs such as proper rest, food, and exercise. Those things are important. Even now, are you rested? Did you have breakfast? Have you been exercising? These things are important. And I believe that there are spiritual elements to life, there are physical, there's emotional, and we just need to be healthy all around, and the Lord will help us do that. But I want to show you that how our physical things impact our mental things, our emotional things, and our, how, how we feel. I tell you, I get so hangry sometimes. Thank you, Hannah, for dealing with me. Uh, but, uh, you know, Hannah, Hannah's really trying to get me eaten right. And uh, sometimes I do good and sometimes I don't, but Hannah, Hannah helps me. I try to work out every day, uh, do things like that. Um, and I just know that if I don't do those things, sometimes it's, it makes for a really hard day. And I just think back to, am I taking care of myself? Did I sleep good the night before? And those things really make an impact, don't they? Because sometimes I'm just like having a rough day and I don't know why. Well, I didn't sleep that good the night before. It's been... And things like that. And so in all these things with Elijah, what can we learn about having good mental health? The next time you're feeling really stressed, anxious, or discouraged, ask yourself if you're exhausted, believing a lie, or isolated. Elijah found himself in all those places. He was exhausted. He was physically exhausted. He was mentally believing a lie, and he felt isolated. So if, if so, if you find yourself in this place, find some extra time to rest, eat some healthy food, think about the truth, and connect with a friend. If those activities don't help, then call your doctor, your pastor, or a counselor. And so the last step, after we check our thoughts at the door of our mind, after we separate the truth, we say we're not going to let those unchristlike thoughts come into our minds we replace our thoughts with God's thoughts towards you. Replace your thoughts with God's thoughts towards you. Paul gives us another nugget in his New Testament theology here in Colossians 3, 9 through 11. He says, don't lie to each other. I like to even add, don't lie to yourself. Don't let the lies in. Don't lie to each other. Why? Well, you've taken off your old self and its practices. We got a new set of practices. And we put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the Creator, in the knowledge of its Creator, in the image of its Creator. I'll read that one more time. And have put on in the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its Creator. And I, I think it does go back to Romans chapter 12. We're being renewed day by day in the image of Christ. And it can take place in the renewing of the mind. Paul reminds us that there is no 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So we are being renewed to be like Christ, and we will be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. And we're in a state where we're already not yet. And so what that means is that I believe that we are in a world that is fallen. We are saved, yes, and we will be with Jesus forever. Amen. Woo. I get excited. But I know that we're in a fallen world. I know that there will be mental health challenges. And I know that there will be Christians that are depressed, are anxious, have fears, have mental health challenges. And that is going to be real and a part of this life. And so I want to be very careful and have conversations to really make sure that people know that I care and that I validate and say, yeah, let's have a conversation. By no means am I an expert on these things, but I'm just willing to have this conversation. And so thank you for going there today. I, I want to say that, and I'm, I'm on the last point here, but I just want to say and remind that if you ever want to have a conversation, I'm here. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. I hope we can have more conversations. And if you think about yourself or a family member, or a friend, I'm going to be here at the end of service, and I'll be praying for anybody that needs prayer. And I just, I believe in the power of prayer, but I also want to just hear you, your story, where you're coming from, because I know it's real. I know, I, it, I know it can be a challenge. And so we live in that already, not yet. How do I wish we were in heaven some days? And um, man, I just, I just, sometimes I get so discouraged, so anxious. I get, I, I'm just having some rough days. My thought life's not good. I'm not feeling 100%. I'm, not, I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling sad. I'm angry. Um, whatever the case may be, I have those kind of days. And it's because I believe we live in a fallen world. Our world's not perfect. I, I really wish it was. But I also see that there's young people that are coming to counseling that are so young. And maybe there's nothing new on the, under the sun. Maybe it's always been like this. But I just see it as an epidemic of sorts of where these kids are just so depressed, so anxious, having panic attacks, they, identity crises. They don't know where they're coming from and, and how to think. And I just believe that Jesus is the answer for everybody. Because I'm not just trying to counsel so that people can manage this life. I'm doing that, but I'm also reminding them that it, with Jesus, there's hope that everything will be restored. Mental health will be restored in heaven. Amen? And so, just to bring it to me one more time, I, I, I want to share my personal uh, involvement with all this. So, I, I still go to therapy, and I recommend it for anybody that needs to. Um, and I take time to rest. I try to eat healthy and exercise, and I do the best I can. And if I don't, it's harder for me to have a renewed mind, just to be honest with you. So, if, if you're there, you're like, man, sometimes I, I'm having a hard time. I just, I just encourage you to think about what you're thinking about. Take those thoughts captive and separate the truth from the lie. Get rid of the lie. And that can be really hard to do, but it really takes some thinking of what am I thinking about? And then remembering the truths from God's word. And so here's the, here's the last practice for us today. I encourage you to put up scripture in your home, your car, your desk at work or at school, and put them to memory. Put them up and put them to memory. And make sure you can see it. Put it in your dashboard. Put it on your mirror at home. I even have it on my phone as, you know, a, a screensaver sometimes if I need to remember. Let me give you a few verses that you can maybe screenshot now or write down and use for your own personal practice. Second Timothy 2.7. And 
this one, I got permission from Hannah to say that when she was growing up, every time she had a nightmare, her parents had her memorize this verse. So if you know it, let's say it together. For the spirit that God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation, KJV says a sound mind. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and sound mind. And so I love this one. For if you're scared, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed or anything, the Lord God gave us a spirit, a Holy Spirit in us, the counselor that does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Go to God. Cast, I think of cast all your anxieties on the Lord because He cares about you. I need to remember this one too. We'll bring it to prayer. We're going to pray in a moment too. Put it into practice. Good, good scripture. Another one is, I like the last part of Nehemiah 10, or 8.10. He's reminding the people after they're so discouraged, they're not keeping the law. They, get, they found it and they're like, and then Nehemiah reminds them, go and enjoy some choice food and sweet drinks and enjoy and send those to, to those who have nothing prepared because this day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're feeling weak today, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you know Jesus, you have everything you need. I'm going to show that on the screen too. We talked about thoughts, feelings, and actions, how it correlates our thoughts impact our feelings and our actions. Thoughts are actions and feelings, and actions are thoughts and our feelings. Man, that's a tongue twister. It's all correlated. And so I want to show on the next slide how we can have peace, joy, and hope. Our thoughts can have transcendent peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that doesn't make sense can come into your mind and transcend your thoughts. And for joy, that feeling, it's, a, it's, a, it's different than happiness. I, t- I mentioned at the beginning of the message, but this world has found ways to be happy without God, found to be comfortable without God, to live life of God. I just think it's so sad that people think if they live to be 80, 90, even 100, like that's just a good life and that's what we get. But there's more. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend eternity. Heaven's real. We're going to be there someday if we place our faith and hope in Jesus. And so with Jesus, we can have joy. And what does that mean? Joy is for us right now. Joy is forever in heaven. It's, it's going to be the main emotion of heaven. It's going to probably be the only emotion in heaven because we got joy. And so remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I, I'm, I'm really serious. If, I, if you see me get excited, and, and even now it's because I am getting excited, and that's okay. It's okay to remain positive and, and keep that throughout the day because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And that can be really hard, especially if it is hard to get out of bed in the morning, if it is hard to have those positive thoughts replace those negative thoughts. But I'm telling you, if we can put this to memory and put it up, it will really impact us. And lastly, Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Jesus, our hope, we can have hope today. Amen. So in summation, 
in conclusion here, I just, I just want us to reflect on what we're thinking about. Let me, let me just introduce here for a moment as we, as we move to prayer time and just a reflection. I want us to practice breathing. Take three seconds in, hold three seconds out, three seconds, hold three seconds. So let's try that. In, hold, out, hold. Practice your breathing. Maybe do a body scan right now. Are you feeling pain anywhere? Move your toes. Move your legs. Feel the weight of your body in your chair. Relax your shoulders. Relax your hands. Move your fingers. Rotate your neck. Feel your chest moving in, out as you breathe. These are things we do with young people, especially when they're having emotional dysregulation, high emotions. Just relax, and, and it's true, it's, it's good. It's good to let those thoughts out, but I just encourage you, or let, let your mind clear, but let God's thoughts in right now. I'm all about mindfulness. It's, it's more than just meditation. It's being mindful of whatever you do. Whenever you're, if you're like me, I do dishes at the home because Hannah's such a good cook, I, I do the dishes. And when I'm doing the dishes, I'm just being non-judgmentally thinking about it, not good or bad, just, just thinking about what I'm doing. As I'm reading, I'm not thinking about one thing or the other. I'm just letting thoughts come. As I'm driving, I can let the peace of God come over me, and we can just let God's peace come in. So as you just relax and, enjoy, and just enjoy God's presence, I just want to remind us that as we pursue the presence of God and commit to building a relationship with Him, we will begin to experience astounding peace, joy, love, and acceptance. We are now building new neural pathways. Old neural pathways that are no longer being used become a road less traveled in our minds. Issues and wounds of rejection, hurt, anger, depression, anxiety, bitterness, resentment, resentment, habits, and addictions will be dismantled and unable to govern a renewed mind that has been utterly and radically transformed. We can no longer have an excuse. We no longer have an excuse. We can no longer say, I'll never change or I'll always be this way. A gracious, loving Father who, has gently, who gently guides us by His Spirit assures us that change is and has always been possible. As we close, I just want to say, if you ever want to talk, I'm here. I'm not an expert, but I'm just someone who cares. And I'm willing to have these conversations about mental health. Thank you for going there today. I know for some it might have been real and bringing back memories or, or things you're going through now, and maybe you're thinking of someone, and I just want to be able to be a resource and pray. And so we will pray as a uh, congregation, but if you want private prayer, I'll be right down on the side here in a minute. But before I hand it over to our elder, Mark Bettold, and, and I'm, I'm just going to take it for a moment and just have us reflect in the stillness and the quiet. Remember to practice your breathing, three seconds in, hold three, out three, Hold three. Square breathing. Check your body. Keep it loose. If a thought comes in that is not positive, a lie, something that's not from the Lord, don't be judgmental. Let it come. Give it to the Lord. 
and we're going to pray and renew their mind, and we'll renew our minds together. I'm actually going to keep this out so that I can read the scriptures after a couple minutes. I'll keep the time so you don't have to, and then we'll pray. Holy Spirit, come. In, out. Let the thoughts come in. Let the negative thoughts out. The unchristlike, the lies you've believed, those core beliefs. Let the thoughts of God come in. Jesus says, cast all your cares on me. Cast all your anxiety on me. I care about you. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Keeping this beautiful moment of reflection, I'm just going to pray for you as we close. And we'll invite our elder, uh, Mark Bethel, to come. But Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for a conversation we could all have about mental health. And Lord, if we're thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about a family member, a friend, um, 
Lord, I just pray that we would consider how to have a renewed mind. Lord, we would remember to check our thoughts at the door of our minds. That we would not let those negative, unchristlike thoughts and lies into our mind. That we take them captive. And that we would reflect on what is right, what is true, what is pure, what is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. And Lord, I just pray that we would replace those thoughts for your thoughts towards us. Lord, that you do love us, that you like us, and that you're there with us every day. Lord, let us reflect on those verses, put them up in our homes, and put up in our minds so that we can memorize them, and then it would get down deep in our hearts, and there would be a deep core belief, a deep thing that would rise up in the subconscious. When all these thoughts come up, it would be your thoughts, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance those verses that we did memorize and will memorize, Lord. Bring us your truth when we are feeling anxious or depressed or scared or timid or angry, hurt. Lord, I pray however we come, Lord, I thank you that you accept us as we are and that you love us so, so much. Jesus, We look forward to the day that we can be with you forever in heaven and we will have no mental health challenges. We will have perfect mental health. But Lord, until that day, would you help us and help this world that desperately needs you? Lord Jesus, I pray that as the revival comes that people would be set free from any mental health challenges. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.